0: Where's your wife? Olga, come here, Olga. You all don't even know what you're clapping for. Church discipline. You ever heard of No, I'm kidding. I've got one. Turn the other cheeks. Bob and Olga, how long you been here, Bob. 13 years now Bob and Olga they've been here like you said 13 years he's been a great friend a great friend both of them uh you know s- several years ago we started a prayer meeting and uh we we pastor prayer partners we called it and there was a fellow here named uh, Eugene and Eugene came he says pastor uh, and, and I stopped it he goes pastor I'm coming to pray with you I'm gonna come pray with you I'll meet you here on Tuesday mornings to pray Every Tuesday morning, whether I was ready or not, liked it or not, Gene would come and knock on my door. Can we pray? I said, yes, sir, we can. No matter what was going on, we pray. Bob, he comes along. 13 years ago, he goes, pastor. He goes, to my other church, I always visit with the pastor. He goes, can I visit with you? I said, yes. On Tuesdays, Bob comes to visit with me. We didn't do everything, but 90% of the time, Bob came with me on Tuesday to visit. And Bob has just been a wonderful, wonderful friend. You see him coming in the door. You see his wife around. She's helped in a couple of different ministries here at the church. And, uh, you know, the bad part is they're leaving me. And uh, I I don't know, I I don't know, I don't know how how he's going to do this, traveling back and forth from Florida every weekend. But anyway, (laughs) I love him. I love him. He's been like a brother. And I'm very grateful for him. So anyway, uh, this, is this your last Sunday? Yeah. It is? Well, what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, anyway, I want you to know, I want you to pray for him, he and his wife as they settle in in Florida. They've got a son there they're going to go be near, and they're leaving one here, and they've got one up in uh, Yankee land, up in Yonkers. <laughs> yeah, Yonkers. Bob moves around, man. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, we'll give you a year down there and come on home where you belong. All right? Yeah. Be back in well, December to visit, to visit yeah. Yeah. It. And, uh, I thank for everything. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Olga. and God bless you, Bob. I love you, and I'm so grateful that God brought you here for this season. And uh, you'll, I'll never forget you. And we won't either as a church. And uh, so, anyway, let me pray for you, okay? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the way you bring people into our lives. And Lord, I thank you for Bob and Olga. They've just been a wonderful friend to me. I'm thankful for heaven because in heaven, Lord, there's no more separation. And Lord, I thank you for them and ask God you give them protection, safety as they travel. Help them, Lord, as they look for a new church and a new family there. I ask God that uh, we would keep them in our prayers. And Lord, that uh, we look forward to when they do come back for visits and ask God that you bless them. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand. All right. God bless you. All right, get that out of the way, good night. Take your Bibles, look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians was having some internal issues, It was a church, and the internal issues was caused by some teaching they've allowed into the church. Paul had never been to this church, but he had heard about it. And so he, the Lord led him to write them a letter, four chapters. In the first two chapters, he deals with the theology. In the last two chapters, he deals with practic- practical living, practical things to deal with. I'm wondering how does a strong, vibrant church sustain weather or weathers the storms of false doctrine or false teaching that creeps its way into a church. I think the way to, to, to sustain or to um, make it through those storms or those trials or even testings that may come is to have a good, strong foundation. And we spoke of this last week a little bit in talking about a strong foundation And if you have a strong foundation, you'll be able to recognize and be discerning about things that may creep into the church. But if you're you're weak in your theology, you're going to be weak in every other area of the church. Not only in the church, but also in the home. You're going to be weak spiritually in your home if you're not strong theology-wise in the church itself. There's nothing wrong with talking about dealing with discouragement and messages on discouragement. There's nothing wrong with talking about different uh, topics in the church and things like that. But make sure that we deal with our theology. What do we really base our, our thinking, our teaching on? Let it be the firm foundation of God's Word. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Before I read our scripture, uh, over in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, there's a passage of scripture there that Paul wrote to the church there. And he says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. The Verse 12 there, he says, listen, I, 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 first of all, he, he's telling them what he wanted them to do. He gave them pastors and he gave them teachers for the church and he gave it to the church to equip them. In verse 12, he says, for the equipping... For the grounding of the the saints of God so that they'll not be tossed by every wind of doctrine. So they'll know what they believe. They're well-grounded, well-rooted in the Word of God. And if they um, are grounded in the Word of God, if the church is grounded in the Word of God, if we know what we believe, then what happens? He can speak to us and we can live as mature Christians and not always be treated like a child. Anybody ever tell you, stop treating me like a child? You know, anyway, listen, Paul, he even had to deal with this when he wrote to the church at Corinth in chapter one and verse three, I mean, chapter three and verse one. He says, I wanted to talk to you as mature believers, but you have proven that I cannot talk to you that way. I've had to talk to you like babies. Why? Because you are immature in your faith. God help us not let that happen in this church, that we are that we would be known as a immature church. I think there are some major doctrines that we just must hold on to and we must know. I think we need to know about the doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. I think we need to grasp and understand the doctrine of the sovereignty of God in creation. In other words, that sovereignty I means he has all authority, He has right, and he did. He has, he's all-powerful in the creation and also in redemption. I think that we need to get a grasp on the uh, universal sinfulness of this world. I think that we need to uh, uh, grasp and understand what is redemption. In other words, what is salvation? How have we received salvation? Is it eternal? Do I keep needing to be... Can I lose that salvation? Some, just some questions that I, I think about, and I think also we need to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, how that He convicts of sin, how He indwells the believer. I believe that we need to get a grasp on the return of Jesus because He's coming again, and we, uh, I look forward to Him coming again. We call it the rapture of the church. The believers will be caught up to go to heaven to be with the Lord forever and ever. I think that there's a danger that there are some people like Lydia over in Acts chapter 16 and how that it says that she was a worshiper of God. And then when Paul began to preach, it says that she listened and she was open-hearted to his message and she received Christ and she was saved. Is it possible to come to church? Is it possible to be a worshiper of God and not a believer, a follower of God? Evidently, it can be. See, I think sometimes that when we come to church that we kind of say, well, you know what? I'm looking for the excitement. I'm looking for something to rev me up. I'm looking for something to get me going for the week, you know, and, and really uh, when we leave here, we're just full of hot air instead of really having an having uh, experience in the personal touch from God in heaven and really seeing here, I see God clearer. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's really been a worshipful experience for me. I think sometimes that we, um, we, we just, I don't know. I want you to come to church seeking after God, looking for God through the singing and through the message when we open the Word of God. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I, 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 I've got a couple of teams that I watch, and, and most of the teams, sporting-wise, they, they have a mascot. Uh, can, can somebody give me a name of a mascot? Who? Ramsey. Oh, I never heard of them before. But. <laughs> How about another one? Blue Devils. Well, yeah. Who? He's a, he, yeah, he's mascot. Anybody else have a mascot? Yeah, yeah. Ter- Volunteer. There we are. <laughs> Their mascot, Smokey the dog. <laughs> Crazy. But anyway, it sort, of, it sort of goes on the line of the bulldogs, doesn't it? sort of like Georgia bulldogs, uh, whatever it may be. I'm just saying a lot of these schools have mascots and I I say that because mascot you know you know a mascot you know what they do the mascot comes and they make an appearance usually it's a brief appearance you know like before the big game they they have a pep rally and the mascot comes and jumps around and acts crazy and does all kinds of things and then when and then, you know, gets everybody real excited, you know, and, they, and then they, they move off to the side a little bit. But they get the crowd cheering and, and uh, hopefully that the team works a little bit harder and, and all that. But, and, and, and here's what I find out about a mascot. A mascot can be admired or a mascot can be ignored, you know. Because right when I'm in, in the middle of the heat of watching the game, I care less where the mascot is. Isn't that right? But you know what? On uh, the day before the game, though, get the mascot. Let's get ribbed up. Sometimes I'm wondering if we don't treat Jesus sometime like a mascot. And this is the pep rally in here this morning. And we need ribbed up. Let's bring out the mascot. And sometimes I believe that there are people not not saying, well, I'll do this. But sometimes I think that Christ is treated more like a mascot than the monarch in who he is treated this because a mascot can be admired or he can be ignored and in Christ himself sometimes I'm wondering if we're not treating him that way it's almost like he's on call get them bring him out here we need him now we need him now we need him now okay we're finished we're going back and sit down you know the commercial's over we're back at the game And sometimes I think we have Christ on call instead of Him being there in my all in all and what I'm dealing with every day of my life. He doesn't want to be your Sunday morning God. He wants to be your everyday God. He wants to be your everyday Lord. And He wants you to know Him. And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to read in just a second, there's three things. One, I I think Paul says, I want you to see Him. I want you to see him. I want you to seek after him. And I want you to speak of him. Those three things he constantly seems to be promoting in every message that he gives. I want you to see him for who he is. He's not a mascot. I want you to seek after him after you realize you see. And I don't think that's so difficult. The the most difficult one there is the first one. Do you see him? Do you see him? Do you see him? And if you see him for who he is, it's so much easier to seek after him. Matter of fact, you're going to have a desire to seek after him. And if you seek after him as in your heart, he begins to do a transformation in your heart. You know what? It's going to be so easy to speak of him, to speak of him. Now look at the passage of scripture here and we'll, we'll move on. Well one more thought though. I, I, I say, I gotta read this scripture, but I, I just can't I have something else. And, and I wrote it down the, uh, yesterday and I wasn't sure. But you know what? Yeah. You know what? We have a we have a responsibility, you and I as a church. And and facing with what we face in this world today, it's a it's something. Every day, every day, it's a spiritual battle. Every single day. You know, we see culture and hear culture, and culture speaks and says, this is what you're to believe, this is how you're to live, this is what you're to, 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 This is how you're to act. And we also know that Satan's hard at work too. And he's doing everything he can to destroy the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you the truth. If you and I do not know um, God and hear God, we're in trouble. If we do not know God, and if we do not hear from God, we're in trouble. If we do not know God, if we do not hear God, we're in trouble. Because culture is loud, and Satan is louder every day. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Whatever or however hostile this world may get, And whatever direction this world goes away from biblical worldview, let me tell you something. There's only one thing I know of. You better take this Bible and allow it to become what Christ has intended for it to be. And this is our sword. This is our sword. And we need to be able to use it. We need to know how to use it. If you don't know, you know what? You'll not stand. But if you do know the Word of God... And you're confident in what you believe, you'll be able to stand. Yes or no? Yes. Absolutely yes. Charles Spurgeon, a pastor from years past, he says, How are we to expect the gospel to stay alive in this world if we don't hand it on to the next generation as the former generation handed it down to us? Or else... This next generation coming up would say, that last generation, the generation of 2021, never thought of us. They let it go. They allowed the truth and the biblical doctrines to be denied one at a time. In other words, they fell asleep at the wheel. They were thinking everything was well. Everything's fine. And we don't have to check up. We're okay. But we're not okay. And if we are okay, the way to stay okay is to be alert, to be vigilant. Why? Because the devil, a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And if he can get into the church of God and start start, uh, infiltrating falsehoods and false doctrine, he will and he has in many cases. Listen to me, church. There's years coming when I'll not be here anymore. I'm going away, and there's going to be someone else standing here. But if someone else comes and stands here as your pastor, and they say to you, I've got a new message. I've got a a new idea. It's apart from God. It's apart from God's Word. And they stand here, they may carry the Bible and they may read it and then close it and tell you a bunch of philosophical ideas that have nothing to do with God. As kindly as I can say, someone have the courage to come up and grab them by the seat of the pants and the back of the neck and usher them out of this church. I'm just a little bit worked up. I know... I'm just saying I'm concerned about the church of God. And the reason being is, I read the other day where there's churches voting to take the cross off their churches because it's offensive. It is offensive, but offensive in the right way, in a good way, a holy way. You say, how does that happen? Well, it happens because you're not guarding the truth. Many, some cases don't know the truth. Some cases, not interested in the truth. I just want to feel good. I want to feel good. Listen, take a baby aspirin and take a nap, okay? (laughs) I say that in love. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I look around. We've got a full house today, and I love you. But I love you, and I feel a responsibility to tell you uh, what's on my heart and tell you the truth. Um, you see, Paul, when he was writing the Colossians, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can't do that here, okay? You're all right. You're all right. That's a, no, 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 no more. No more. No more. No more. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Don't say another word, please. You're welcome to say amen, hallelujah, keep going. But this is my time, all right? But the Colossians, Paul wrote and said, you know what? God is the God of creation. He's the God of redemption. He's God of the church, and he is, and I pray that he'll always be that. So when I talk a little bit here today about another one of the subjects he brings up, it won't be long, but it must. It's very detailed, and so let's begin here, reading in chapter one of Colossians, chapter one and verse nineteen. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. I would mark that word "fullness." All the fullness of the Father, the sum total of of all the authority that the Father had. He's bestowed that. He's bestowed that. Jesus Christ now has that. Jesus Christ has all the authority that God the Father did and does, all of it. It says, it pleased the Father that in him the fullness should dwell. In other words, God the Father and God the Son are equal, co-equal. In verse 20, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, How was peace secured? It was peace secured by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the blood of Jesus only, only. And you, verse 21, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. You know what? Before Christ, we were considered enemies of God. That was our standing with God, enemies. He says, you were alienated. You were enemies in your mind. And, but yet, in that last part, he has reconciled us. That word reconciled, that word reconciled, restored. Uh, you, you know, I've, I've spoke in, in the years that I've been here, I've spoke several times to, to couples that were... Uh, they were fussing and fighting and arguing and everything, and, and uh, they'd come in and say, you know what, we need some type of reconciliation. In other words, we need our relationship restored with one another. God looked at us and he says, we need our relationship restored. And so he sent Jesus to restore that, that, uh, that relationship, and he calls it reconciled. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul, the minister. And he is talking to them here about reconciliation. Reconciliation. Restoring what was lost. Restoring the relationship that he so desired to have with you and me. See, what happened is this. The first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. When they sinned against God, they declared war on God. God did not declare war on them. They said, we're not going to obey you. They're the ones who declared war, and they did that on God. And instead of uh, uh, killing them, instead of wiping wiping them off the face of the earth and said, I'll just start over later on, he, he provided a covering for them. And he's done that throughout the Old Testament, a covering of sin. But when it came to the New Testament, he says, I'm I'm not covering it anymore. I'm just going to wash it all away. (laughs) And he says, I'm going to do that through my son, through my son Jesus. You see, as he said here a while ago in this passage of Scripture, he said that we were carnal-minded. We had enmity. We are enemies. We were hostile against God. Romans 5, 7 helps helps to support that thought. And then you know what? And so you and I uh, need to be reconciled. We need to be restored to God in a place where we can have fellowship. And so the question bears to mind, how is that happen? And we, of course, we know the answer already, but how was he going, what went through his mind? Was he to lower the standard and say, well, you know what, I'm not going to hold it to this standard anymore. I'm just going to notch it down a degree or two. You know what, you have a church and, and you know, they, you've always been strong in the, the doctrines, the fundamental doctrines of the faith, and you've been real strong at those things. But then you say, well, you know what, maybe we can ease up on that particular doctrine. And you know what, you ease up on enough doctrines, then you have no doctrine at all so jesus or, or god did not lower his standard but what if he said you know what if man just does a little bit better maybe i say you know what if you do these works or if you could and so what if you obeyed the ten commandments well you can't obey the ten commandments the purpose of the ten commandments one of them is this to show you and i our need of a savior because we could not keep the ten commandments In chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, again, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, yet now He's he's reconciled us. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, He even says it too. In chapter 2 and verse 1, And if you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. That was our state. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And the only way that we can come to Christ is because of the reconciliation that's been made available to by Jesus Christ. I want you to look at uh, Second um, Second Cor- uh, Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five. It says this: that th- is that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their transgressions to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He says, I want to reconcile you. I want to reconcile you through Christ Jesus. He desires to have a relationship with every one of us. He loves it when you pat your foot. He loves it when you say amen. He loves it when you you get fired up for the cause of Christ. But he wants to make sure you're fired up for the right reason. And I think that you'd get fired up for the right reason if you could see him as Paul presents him here in Colossians chapter 1. He's the God of creation. He's the God of redemption. He desires to be the Lord of the church and the Lord of your life. He's the the way of salvation. He is salvation. In your bulletin today, on the back of it, I asked Holly to, I found this printout. And, it's, and we've heard, we've seen the film, uh, That's My King, uh, by S.M. Lockridge. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor out in California. And we've seen this video a number of times since the time I've been here. I love that video. I wish I had done that, but I, I'm not smart enough. But he, he did a great job. And so I asked Holly for the next three or four weeks, we're going to have excerpts from that sermon here. And just listen to what he says. And what he's trying to get across to you and me is this. I want you to see him. I know the word of God is sufficient in of itself, but here's a pastor and God gave him a word. And I love the word that he gave him. Listen to what it says. My king was born king. <laughs> just start right there was plenty. I could just put that down and say, Yes. My God was born king. He did not, he did not have to wait. Or he, he was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's an ethic king. He's king of Israel. That's a national king. He's king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Now, that's my king. Listen to what he says. Well, I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declared the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. Hallelujah. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of the shore of his supplies. My God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory. No barriers can hinder him from, out, from pouring out his blessing. And so I, I really appreciate that. And, and I am so grateful. And I think throughout this scripture, Paul is just trying to get the attention of the, of the Colossians and say, Listen, wake up. You're in the mess you are because, because you're not solid on your theology. Do you see him for who he is? He's, the, he's not only the king of glory and all these, but you know what? He's the king of, of, of righteousness, and he's the author and the finisher of reconciliation. In chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 20, it says, We have peace now. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Reconciliation. It's perfect. Reconciliation is complete. Reconciliation is enough. This is enough. Reconciliation. It's universal. It's to all men, all women, boys and girls, whether heaven or earth. And In chapter 20, uh, verse 20, rather, he says, earth and heaven, it's to all people. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord... God solved the problem of sin and He solved the problem that separated you and I from my holy God through His death, burial, and resurrection. The reconciliation was made by one man. It was the God-man. A real man died on a real cross. That man was Jesus. He was buried in a real tomb. He paid a real penalty, the penalty of sin, for sin. And, uh, When he arose from the dead, he stamped on every body, soul, and spirit this word right here, paid in full, paid in full. And it's up to you and I to receive that gift of salvation. Reality is this. Reconciliation is Christ coming to reclaim what was his in the first place. Does that make sense? Several years ago, uh, I had left my car unlocked in in a particular area, and I left my cell phone in the car. When I came back to the car, the phone wasn't there, and I thought I maybe left it at home. I went home, searched everywhere, and, and I couldn't find it. I said, I know what I'll do. I'll call it if somebody found it or if somebody, whatever, they might answer. I called the number. Nobody answered. I called it for two or three days in a row, and nobody answered it. On about the fourth or fifth day, somebody answered that phone. They said, hello. I said, hey. He goes, yeah, who's this? I said, David. Said, David who? I said, David who owns that phone. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, what? I said, you've got my phone. And you know what? This is your lucky day because you answering that phone activated a GPS and there's a police officer that's getting ready to come and visit you. And he goes, No. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, what do you want? I said, I want my phone. I want my phone. He says, I bought this phone for $40. I said, what's the monthly payment? No monthly payment. I said, hey, isn't that wonderful? I want that deal. <laughs> I said, listen, I'll tell you what, I want my phone. And I said, I'm going to tell you where I'm going to meet you, and I'm going to get my phone. So he says, I said, you know, and I, I, we named the place, he I know where it is. I said, I want to meet you there. So I got off the phone, and I'm thinking, What am I going to do? So I called somebody here at the church, and I said, I need you to go with me. Where? Don't worry about it. It's just a visitation call. It wasn't Bob. I said, we're going to make a visitation call. He goes, okay, I'll go with you. So and so, we're in the car and he's riding along. And I said, "Can we take your truck?" He had a truck. Can we take your truck? It makes us look a little more looks a little tougher in a truck, you know, instead of my little Honda or whatever, you know. So we're riding along. And he goes, "Where are we going, preacher?" I says, "Well," and then I told him the story. He stopped. And he goes, I, 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 "Let's think this through." I said, "No, no, no. We're okay. We're okay." He's gonna meet me there. He goes, you yeah, ain't gonna meet you there." <laughs> So we got to this place, and it was just getting dark a little bit. I said, oh, man, am I in trouble. And so I'm standing there, and I told him, I said, why don't don't you just stand here at the truck, and I'm going to walk out here a little bit so he don't think I've got the army with me or something like that. So I walked out there a little bit, and and it's coming up the street around the corner. Here comes this fella, and he was about four times bigger than I am. And I'm thinking, I hope that's not him, but it was him. It was. And he come up and goes, Hey, are you David? I said, yes, sir, I am. And uh, he goes, so? I said, well, I just want my phone. He goes, oh, okay. He reached in his pocket, gave me the phone, and he goes, I told you I paid $40. I said, go visit the man you gave you gave $40 for. it. He goes, but I'm here to reclaim what's mine. He goes, okay. He turned around and walked up. I he said, hey, wait a minute. Where's the charger? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, I forgot that. There you go. <laughs> Listen, that's just a silly little story. really happened, but I'm just saying this. You know what? God just came back, and he, the devil said, what are you doing? I come to reclaim what's mine. And you know what it was? It was you. It was you. He's come back to reclaim you. He says, do you want to come with me? Do you want to come with me? Do you want me to reclaim you? I've paid the price. All you've got to do is accept it. All you've got to do is say, yes, I want it. I want it. Church. Church. One more passage of Scripture, and I'll close real quickly, okay? Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, but God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We who are born again, there's no wrath, no wrath, no judgment, no judgment. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by this life. And not only that, but we Also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus. Rejoice. Why? Because we've received, we've been reconciled. Know what you believe and hold on to the truth. It will be a source of your encouragement. Listen, when we enter the gates of heaven, let's enter the gates of heaven rejoicing. Not with our Heads hung low and breathing heavily like we've just run a marathon. Let's enter heaven rejoicing with hands raised. Let's enter heaven praising God. Let's enter heaven singing. Let's enter heaven with our heads up high, thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy of all honor and praise. You're worthy. He is worthy, church. He is worthy. Do you believe that? He is. And if you see Him the way Paul intends for us to see Him, we will seek Him out every morning. We not only seek Him out, but we will speak of Him freely. I promise you. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this time I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for your presence. God, I pray asking, God, that you would draw us close to you, that we'd be submissive to your working in our lives. I pray, God, asking that you would forgive us where we fail you. And, Lord, help us to stand guard. And help us to be alert so we don't become weak in our theology. Lord, I pray that we'd be strong. Father, I pray your will be done in our lives. Now, are you here today and you say, you know what, I've been playing a game. I'm looking for a little bit of excitement. I'm looking for a toe tap and I'm looking for, I'm looking for to be pumped up. I'm looking for the mascot. Listen, you don't need a mascot. You need Jesus. And I pray that if you don't know Him as your Savior today, that today would be the day of salvation. You'd invite Him to your life. He's already done the work. He's done all the hard stuff. and He's just asking you to believe. The second thing is this. Uh, if you'd like to join our church, Brian will be here and Whether you've been here, if you've been here a while and you feel comfortable that this is where God wants you to come and be a part of us. It may be that God's laid somebody on your heart that you want to pray for. You're welcome to come as well and we'll have somebody to come and pray with you if you want. I'm just asking you this. Be sensitive to the leading of God in your life. And uh, you'll be glad. You'll be glad. Would you stand with me? Father, as we finish out this section. I pray, God, that your will be done. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
1: I will bow to idols. I stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I rejoice because you're there too. is true and if the cross brings transformation I'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection life and if i join you
0: of course again i love that let's take and sing okay oh christ right.
1: be uh, magnified bye.
0: you have a great day and uh, let's go out of here rejoicing and allow, allow Christ to be magnified in our lives. All right. Say hello to somebody on your way out of here.